It's just being together. It's that simple. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to First City Church. We're so glad you're here. If this is the first time you've ever been with us, we're so grateful that you're here. Thank you for joining us online. We have a lot of people who are uh, members here who are in Gulf Breeze, have a difficult time getting here, or uh, have decided that online is probably the best for them, their safety, their health. And so we're so glad that you're here. We're in this series called Disciple. And it's all about how do I become a disciple? How do I make sure that I'm doing all the things that God has called me to do if I'm going to be a follower of his? Now, as we get into the message, our, uh, I, I, it's uh, spring break, right? And so there are a lot of families who are just, uh, our schools are out, you know, in our county. So if, if you do not have a child at school and you're like, I didn't even know it was spring break. Well, this week, traffic will probably be a little bit better than it normally is. Right? Instead of all that traffic like, like it's been being so you can look forward to that. Otherwise, if you're traveling, if it's spring break and you're headed down south or to go visit other people, man, be safe. God bless you. So we're in this series called uh, Disciple. And what we said is the first thing we have to do is make a decision. Do we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and have we received him? Have we made a decision that what we want in our life is to let Jesus be Lord? And if you have not made that decision yet, then everything we're talking about in this discipleship series comes really after that. After you've determined, I need a Savior in my life. And then once that decision has been made, then how do I follow him? How do I become like him? How can I be blessed in the things that he wants to bless my life with? And so as we start that uh, you know, journey, it begins with, Lord, I am a sinner and I am in need of a Savior. And I am tired of living my life my way. And I give myself completely to you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Come in. Receive me. Change me. Forgive my sin. I no longer want to be in charge of my life. And I give myself completely to you. And receive all that he has for you and is for you and wants for you. And as you make that decision, we said now... This is really the path. The first thing, seven traits of a disciple, is just to know Jesus intimately. Run after him with your whole heart. Seek him. Learn from him. Watch him. Watch how he interacts with people. Watch what he says. Watch what he does. Become like him, Matthew 5 says. Right? And then seek biblical truth. There needs to be a foundation for how you make moral decisions. And, and so what is your explanation for the world around us while we're here, what we're supposed to do with our one wild and precious life, and how do I make decisions? Am I going to let culture decide? Because culture just continues to change. And it's so afraid that somebody's going to get offended, it's almost like, man, everything is being canceled. And so you need to stand solid on something. And for the disciple, it's the Word of God. And then we personally worship because of what God has done for me. Because he forgave my sin, saved my soul, set me free. I want to give him my whole heart. I'm just still learning how do I give God my whole heart. I had a conversation with my wife about that this week. And I don't, I don't know what it is, you know, inside me. There are these moments, these times when I reserve. I'm afraid maybe I'll get hurt or something's going to happen. And so I find myself trying to protect myself. Am I the only one like that? Have you ever struggled with how do I just freely give my whole heart 
So, man, man, this is, we're all in the middle of that journey. And so I can remember my grandfather, in the last few months of his life, he offered up a prayer. And his prayer was, Lord, teach me how to give you my whole heart. Oh, man, I, I want to I pray that prayer until God calls me home. But I really want to learn how to do it so that the people I'm in relationship with do not suffer or only have a piece of really what I freely want to give, right? And so, and then we're connected to the church and we maintain relationships, connected, accountable to a body. You're part of a larger body. And God has put us all together so that we can do something in this city in his name and for his glory. Because there are people who do not know him and who are really, really struggling to figure life out and home and marriage and raising children and career. And as they're trying to figure it out, there are principles that we know that come from God that set us free. We'll talk about some of that today. And they're struggling to find it. And so we're like, we need to stay connected to the church so that we can come together, find our role, and then do something in our community for God. And a disciple knows how to maintain loving and caring relationships. When you look around and you just begin to see people that they're really good at starting relationships, they're not good at finishing, completing, staying with them. You know, and so people are like, I just go through people. Uh, others just... You know, b bosses tend to be like that. Sometimes, you, you know what I'm talking about? They're just people who have a difficult time maintaining relationships. And we all mess relationships up. But the real question is, how hard do I work to maintain loving and caring relationships? In fact, Peter said, do everything you can to keep the spirit of peace and the bond of unity. And so today we're going to talk about generously gives. The sixth trait, a disciple generously gives. Here it is, trait number six. A disciple is a generous and joyful giver. Now, I loved the, did you love the worship this morning? Oh, my goodness. They are so talented. I, and, I, and I just love their heart. I just, uh, I, and all of them. They all have just this heart that wants to completely give themselves to God. But all their songs today really talked about this. That you can trust in God, Jesus Christ who died for me, and I have this living hope. All these songs that really talk about what God did generously for us, he now expects us to pass on to our, a hurting world. And so as much as any other uh, trait that we've been talking about in this series, uh, having a generous heart, being a joyful giver, really expresses first what God has done for us, and then how are we going to pass that generosity onto the world? Just pause for a minute. What has God done for you? From what did he save you? When you cried out to him, how did he rescue you? When he continually forgives your sin that we tend to repeat over and over. There has to be a time when you're like, man, God has got to be tired of forgiving me for the same thing every stinking week. Does he get tired of forgiving you? Have you worn out your God? Could you ever? Man, don't you wish we could become more like him so that we could pass that same spirit on to the people we love and care about? That's what today's message is all about.
So you need to know it first comes from God, and we're going to talk about that. And then, why is generosity such a big deal? So as we get into that, look at the promises that we have from God as it relates to generosity. Oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor. Just pause right there. Just do a personal inventory. Oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor. Am I? How am I? When am I? Where am I? Are we? Right? Just, just do, do a personal inventory. But look at the. These are promises from God for those of us who have made a decision to be generous. The Lord rescues them when they are in trouble. Those of you who are kind to the poor, those of you who are generous to people who need generosity, the Lord rescues them. He rescues you when you're in trouble. The Lord protects them and keeps them alive. He gives them prosperity in the land and rescues them from their enemies. The Lord nurses them when they are sick and restores them to health. Wow. It's like when you make a decision that you just want to pour out your life into the lives of other people who are hurting in all kinds of ways. God is doing everything he can. He has set up a system that the more you give yourself away, the more he gives himself to you. You wear yourself out for the good of other people, and God's going to make sure that you prosper. He will bless you the more you bless other people. Do you see it? Do you see his promises? I know this is what we want. I know we want relief from our enemies, and we want health, and we want to stay alive, and we want to be rescued when we're in trouble, when we make poor decisions. But God's like, I'm, I'm watching how you treat people. And based on the way you treat other people, I'm going to be generous to you. I continually embarrass Brad Lord, who's sitting up here with his wife. I just had a meeting this past week with Brad. And, and uh, you may not know, but he has chosen to give his life away to blessing other people. And so what he does for his career with his life, what he chose to do was to partner up next to hurting people who are in crisis mode and are having a difficult time figuring it out. Just keeping their family together, keeping their children from having to be taken out of their home, you know, overcoming illnesses and addictions and all types of stuff. And in that meeting, I asked Brad, Brad, what's, what is the opportunity? I mean, if we were to really partner with you in a stronger way, you know, in this, in this county, in the District 1 area, as Savannah was talking about it earlier, I said, how many families would be affected? He said, hundreds, maybe thousands of families that we're working with that could really be affected by this. And just to give you a little teaser, we uh, have found this ministry, this program called Families Count. And we are right now in the process of getting approval and working in our, in our city with decision makers so that we can get to these families who find themselves in jeopardy or in crisis mode and helping them learn the principles of God so that their families can stay together. And, and, and we're starting to train up other churches in different counties and raise up. I mean, we're having these big partnerships. And right now we're setting the foundation so that near the end of this year and the beginning of next year and for the next few years, 
we as a church begin to do what he does every day with his life, and that is give ourselves away to people who really need rescuing. And, and so you heard, as Savannah was telling you today, that's one of the things we're doing for Easter. On Saturday, we're feeding everybody. Now, on Friday night, for our Friday night Good Friday service, we're also inviting all of that community. We've just adopted them as part of our family. All the foster care family, we just kind of adopted. They're all invited. And we hope that whatever God gives us, we give to them. And, and just pour and, and share into their life. So that's what we want to do as a church. This is how we want to be known. Why? Because God is saying, I will bless you if that's what your makeup is, if that's what you do. So why be generous? Because generosity transforms lives. If I were to ask you, why, why do you want to be generous? And I know all the easy answers. Well, because people need money. They need food. They need help from time to time. And, and okay, so that is true. But, but it's not just rescuing somebody out of a temporary situation. We want their life to be transformed eternally. That's why we do everything we do. Whether you give, give a cup of cold water or whether you, you know, give a, a shirt off your back to help somebody or help to pay somebody's rent, whatever it is that we're doing, we're, we're doing it because we want them transformed in the name of Jesus. Now, when we look at that, look at all of this stuff that God says in his word. I'm only going to give you two or three scriptures. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. If you made a decision today, or, or an ongoing decision. I want to be generous to the people who I know who are around me, who are hurting. I want to be generous to them. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. It is a principle that God set up for how the world works. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Do you see the principle that God wants the world? He has lavished all of his goodness on you. And he expects us to give it away to everybody else. And the more we do, our world, our influence grows larger and larger. If we don't, then even what we have will be taken away. Right? And so he says, if you'll go and bless and help, I will bless you, help you. Here's another one. Deuteronomy 15, give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. And this is not, he's going to bless you financially. He may, but he's going to bless you in a lot of other ways, with peace, with comfort, with health, with influence. There will always be some in the land who are poor, amen? There will always, the poor we will always have among us. That is why I'm commanding you. To share freely with the poor and with the other Israelites in need. Now this was Deuteronomy. This was as God was really setting up Israel to be his people. He was going to be their God. And he's like, look, I'm, I'm commanding it to you. I'm telling you. Go and do it. You give everything away and trust me that I'll take care of you. And I will. Proverbs nineteen seventeen. Mercy to the needy is a loan to God. And God pays back those loans in full. So this sets up a chain reaction. You give and God gives to you. And then you continue giving, God continues giving. And then the people who you give to, we have to teach them to be generous. Because there are people who are only takers. 
They just take and take and take and take and take. And they don't realize the more you take and don't give, the less you have. But when you begin to give, God begins to give you more. And so we are called to pass this on and to let people know. This is, when we jumped into this, and I've already shared this with you, if you've been listening or here, been around for a while, you know, we made a decision, we're going to do this monthly feed foster meal. And we did not know how we were going to do it. We had $3,000 that we said, well, we can designate $3,000, which didn't even pay for one meal. And God has done all of it. God has just, he has paid for all of it. So, you know, we would love to take credit for it. We just can't <laughs> because God did it all. Amen? And so all we do is just serve. We just give and God just keeps giving. And it is amazing when you're a part of it. So why be generous? Yeah, because generosity transforms lives. But how does that happen? You know, how does, how is it? That generosity, what is the principle that God set up? And why did he set it up? And what is the real reason, the real thing that God's trying to get when, it, when he is asking us to be generous? And that's this. Generosity is the path to release and rest. This is going to need some explaining. What is it in your life that you need release from? Is it your sin? Is it an addiction? Is it a bad habit? Are you prone to anger? Are you so caught up in your job? Are you full of stress? What is it that you need rest from? Because he said, I want to bring you rest for your weary soul. And God wants to release us from things that have held us down. And, and we find ourselves in bondage to things that I'm, I'm, I'm not even my own. You know, because I'm bound to something. And God wants to release and bring us rest. Now, I want to show it to you, and I want to start with the day of Jubilee. So what is the, you know, this, I say the day, the year of Jubilee. What is the year of Jubilee? Now, you can go back and read it, and we're going to look at Leviticus 25. And all I'm going to show you is the beginning of it. I really want to encourage you to study it. This is something that God just put in place as a principle for all of his people as we're, you know, getting started as a nation. And God wanted to bring them release so that they were not bound by anything and bring rest for their soul. And he's also doing it for the land. He's doing it for people. And so these are two blessings that God wants to heap on people. But he put all of that under this, under this generosity label. So let's just read Leviticus a few verses. In addition, you must count off seven Sabbath years set Seven sets of seven years, adding up to 49 years. Now, every Sabbath you know, year, they had seven years. And on the seventh year, they asked him not to you know, plant crops, to give a season off, to let the land rest, and to let people rest. God just asked them to do it. However, after seven sets of seven you know, years, 49 years total, he then wanted to bring on the Day of Atonement in the 50th year, blow the ram's horn loud and long throughout the land. And he now wants to do something for a whole year. He's on the, on the 50th year. I'm going to set up something that's going to free everybody from everything. Look at this. Set this year apart as holy, a time to proclaim freedom throughout the land for all who live there. 
And it will be a jubilee year for you when each of you may return to the land that belonged to your ancestors and return uh, to your own clan. What would happen is over time people would get in trouble and they would, they would lease off their land to somebody else. And they would get, you know, some money for it. And then they could provide. And then the people who leased their land would make all the money. And they would work the land. And they would do everything. They would give to the family who owned it enough so they could eat. But then they lost their land. Almost like if you were to sell your land. However, on the 50th year, in the year of Jubilee, you would get your land back. And so you never really, uh, there's a lot of different commentators on it. But they, you never really sold the land. What you would do is you would lease the land out. And people would count down so that if they're on the 45th year, they knew on the 49th year it's coming, on the 50th year, you get your land back. And so they would make their payments all come due so that by the 50th year, nobody had any debt. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great that every 50th year, <laughs> your family had no debt? And you could be set free, and you received back what God gave you. Now, he did this because when he brought the land of the, the, the Israelites into the promised land, and after they conquered all the enemies, go through the book of Joshua, God set all 12 tribes, and, and he designated land for all of them. And he said, I want you to have this land forever. Now, there were enemies who came in and conquered the land and so you see interruptions to this, but God still has given them this land. And it's like Israel just keeps getting reduced down around holy city Jerusalem, right, even today. But God wanted them to always have this land. He wanted the land to have rest, and he wanted the people to be blessed. So let's continue. This 50th year will be a jubilee for you. During that year, you must not plant your fields or store away any of the crops that grow on their own and don't gather the grapes from your unpruned vines. It will be a jubilee year for you, and you must keep it holy. You may eat whatever the land produces on its own. In the year of jubilee, each of you may return to the land that belonged to your ancestors. Right, and so what he's saying is, you're going to get the land back. You're not going to carry any debts beyond that. I want everything to be, I want you to be set free. I want everybody to find freedom. I want everybody to find release so that you can rest. And don't mess it up during that year. Don't go out and say, well, I'm afraid that next month we won't have enough to eat. So you just go gather, 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 and store. He's like, don't gather, don't store, don't work, trust me for a whole year? I'm not going to work for a whole year? Wouldn't that be great to take a whole year off? Right? And you wouldn't, you know, you know, grow any debt. And everything you needed would be taken care of. So that the next year, this is all what God has wanted to do. Now this was all, you know, for Israel and it started on the Day of Atonement. Now in the New Covenant, it changed. Our Day of Atonement came on Resurrection Sunday when Jesus rose from the grave and he set us free. And so when we start looking now, the goal of Jubilee then, the year of Jubilee, was to bring release from what? Well, from captivity. There were things that, there were enemies who came in, the Assyrians came in, the Babylonians came in. 
There were others came in who took them, took everything they had, but he wanted to bring release from that so that people would get it back. They had debt that they just, that people grew, and God wanted no one to carry more than, than, you know, than they were designed physically, emotionally, spiritually to carry. So he released, he just included it into the rhythm of how they did all of their finances that everyone set free in that 50th year, free from their oppressors and free from materialism. Because people just get so, we, 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 I don't know what it is about us, but we bring our comfort by just gathering. I'm gathering, I've got it in the bank, I'm growing my bank account, I've got that, I think I'm going to be good, I can retire. And everything is about what am I going to do, what am I going to keep, what am I going to get, what am I going to hoard? And next thing you know, there's no generosity being poured on the land. And so God's like, if you want release spiritually, emotionally, busy, if you want release, then you be generous and trust God. And rest. Rest for what? Well, first he wanted rest for the land. Don't do anything to the land. Let it breathe. Let the land rest. And rest for your bodies. You need to stop working so much. God still has a Sabbath rest for us. That I think we run over too much today. I do not believe that we spend enough time in just quiet reflection and taking these Sabbath rests that are meant to rejuvenate us. And rest from your burdens and rest for your soul. And so God put that in place way back in the Old Testament and in Leviticus. And then we come up to the time of Jesus. And when Jesus came on the scene, as he begins his ministry, he goes into a synagogue and he reads from the book of Isaiah. This passage, we have it recorded for us in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has set me to proclaim that captives will be released and that the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus is like, it's now all going to be in me. If you find yourself in me, out of me, out of my death, my burial, my resurrection, you're going to find release and you're going to find rest. He continues, John chapter 14, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Release and rest is everything that God wants for you and what he wants for me. So how do I access it? Number one, we've already said this, generosity began with God. He lavished his every, he, everything on the world through Jesus Christ. And this same God who takes care of me, Paul said, will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. When Jesus made his decision to leave, you know, heaven and not consider equality with God as something to be held on to, but humbled himself, you know, became a, a man and died on the cross, you know, for us as Philippians describes it. You know, everything that God has wanted for you, you know, came about. The freedom from your sin, the release from your past, so that you didn't have to carry any more burdens than, than we were meant to carry. The shame, the guilt removed at the foot of the cross. And on that Resurrection Sunday, we, we experience freedom 
the veil of the temple was torn into. No more separation between you and God. And because of Jesus Christ, he has lavished on us all of his goodness. Look at how Ephesians says it. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. God is doing amazing work. And he just continues to lavish out everything he has on you and on our world. And he never stops. Before you even ask for forgiveness, he is waiting to forgive. When you are in the middle of something that is difficult, you're going to find that God was already ahead of you working things out for your good. Right? And so it all began with God. Everything. And so number two, a generous spirit then comes from trusting God. Now it's your decision. Do you trust him or not? And he was telling the people way back in Jubilee, don't do the work. Trust me. I will take care of you. And there are these times where we find ourselves in situations. And we're like, I don't know that I can trust God to, ha to, take it, you know, to help me. You know, sometimes it's because we know we've messed things up. And I'm carrying secrets and nobody knows I have these secrets. And I've done things and nobody knows about it. And if I were to reveal the secrets, I'm going to lose everything. And God is like, if you would just learn to trust me, to cast those burdens on me that you are not meant to carry, I am a good God, and you will find rest for your weary soul. And it's a hard thing to do, isn't it? It's a hard thing to do, to just say, this is who I am, and this is where I am, and I need help. And God's like, if you were to be that brave, I will take care of you. And either we begin to trust it or we don't. And when it comes to what we have, 1 Timothy says it this way, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Learn to trust in God. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works, generous in those in need. Always be ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future that they may experience true life. Right? And so I've got to learn to trust in God. And if you're stuck, if you have things in your life that you know will be embarrassing when it comes out, you begin to just pray to God. And He is offering you a promise. If you're brave enough to follow Him, He will take care of you. And maybe that's the one message some of you needed to hear today. But then finally, this generosity is up to you. Now it's in your hands. You get to decide. Whatever you give, it's acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. In other words, God's going to let you decide how generous you want to be. And how generous you want him to be to you. Of course, I don't mean your giving will, should make life easy for others and hard for yourself. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now you have plenty and you can help those who are in need. And later they will have plenty and can share with you whenever you need it. In this way, things will be equal, as the scriptures say. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. You try to hoard it, you're never going to have enough. 
But if you give it away, you will always have plenty to share. So, because generosity transforms lives, we are generous. And one day, it started with the year of Jubilee. And he said, I want you to blow that ram's horn loud and long so that everybody knows that freedom has come, that God has canceled your debt, and you are set free in the year of Jubilee. And then Jesus came, and on the cross, everything was shaken, and the veil of the temple was torn in two, and on Resurrection Sunday, everything, everything was turned upside down. Hell was shaken, and you were set free. And on that final day, then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens. And there will be a deep mourning among all the people of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great joy. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet. And they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. One day that final trumpet will sound. And all those who are generous are going to be gathered up and forever you will be released set free and you will find eternal rest for your weary soul that's the message of generosity that's why we should be generous can I pray with you 